continues to be that way. But we work accordingly. Good evening. This is our Tuesday night. We're going to pick up where we left off on the Lord's Day with Hebrews chapter 9. Um, it's another fine day in the Lord. Continue to He continues to bless us day to day. Let's turn to our Lord in prayer and hopefully we'll, we'll try to get 45 minutes and so we get some question and answer time. So let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity once again to meet together, to fellowship in your word. We ask Heavenly Father that you open our hearts to the things that we're about to study this evening. Make them a source of blessing and challenge as we continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a privilege. It is not something in our hearts that we've got to do something in our hearts that we get to do. And may the Spirit feed us this evening in your wonderful word. And these are the things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles open, I think I'm going to... I believe in... uh, your, Your notes are good, but I probably will stick pretty much close to getting through chapter 9 tonight as much as chapter 9 as I can get through not speedily so if it takes us the next 4 weeks that's so great so let's open, let's open up to chapter 9 um, and verse 1 now even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship and the, her- and the earthly sanctuary For there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one, in which were the lampstand and the table and the sacred bread. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil there was a tabernacle, which is called the holy of holies, having a golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was the golden jar, holding the manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and tables of the covenant. And above it were cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things we cannot speak in detail. Now when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time according to both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. And this is the word of the Lord. We begin this evening with the first verse. Now, even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship 
and earthly sanctuary, and the earthly sanctuary. In the time, uh, the tabernacle, as well as the priestly functions, as well as the rituals. Remember what we said about rituals. Rituals are a a spiritual or a physical representation of a spiritual reality. In the time in which they were established, in the time that they were functioned, they were consecrated. That means they were set apart for God's special purpose. And to mishandle those things of God even went as far as being deaths. These things were to be taken seriously. And, and these regulations that were placed, these priestly functions, they had to be, they, they were precise. The, the tabernacle in which, we'll, which the writer describes here had to be precise, had to be exactly what Moses saw in the blueprints by which it was to be laid out. It was, it was a picture of those things in heaven, but they were not the things in heaven. Today, today these things, the, oh, oh, let's just take the ark for instance, which we'll talk about the uh, more in detail as we go along, as the Spirit guides us that, that way, but we know what the ark is. We're looking at that ark, we're looking at that, that most valued, I, w- I would say the, the most important part of the, the, the whole tabernacle. And if it's, it's cur- curious, when you're looking at Exodus and how they lay it out, they, uh, Moses begins with this, and he works out. Just like we begin with God, and we work out. Uh, uh, like I said, uh, when you're reading the narrative, he begins with the construction of the ark. He doesn't create the tabernacle and then put the ark in it. He begins with the ark, the construction of the ark, and then he builds the, the, the tabernacle around it. It's that tabernacle was in that holy of holies, that tent. Remember the within the tent. Okay, go ahead and give me my my uh, screen, please. Let's try this out. Go ahead and use this. Go ahead and zoom me in a little bit, son, and you can do an autofocus for me. Do that. And I have to click it. All right. All right. There you go. Figure it out. Keep going. Okay, not bad. I think we can handle that. Everybody see that all right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Alright, so we're talking about two sides of this tent here. The first the first part of this tent is the Holy of Holies. Or no, I'm sorry, the Holy Place. It's the Holy Place. And in here, priests would go continually in and out. And they had different services. They had to make sure that the menorah the, the lampstand was lit. They had to go in. And this is interesting, and we can work with this. I, I may not have an answer for you tonight on this. But when you read this, and it talks about the, the altar of incense, that, and the writer here, actually look at it, the, notice that the writer puts it in the Holy of Holies rather than the Holy Place. I don't know why, uh, but certainly other places in passage 
puts it in the holy place. And that's where it is. Maybe it's because it's so close. Maybe it's because it's so close to the, the holy of holies that he places it in there. Remember, the altar of incense is the, is when you, uh, the incense that goes on it, that it goes up, that the aroma goes up as, uh, as a soothing aroma to the Lord. He likes to smell. And it's a picture of our prayers going up to heaven. Well, you see, it's not in the holy, of, the holy of holies, because it's one of the tasks that the priest would have to do is to go in on a daily. They had to clean the coals out, put new coals in, and put the incense on there, and that is a daily function. And we know that a priest doesn't go into the holy of holies except for one day out of the year. So I don't know. I don't have an answer for you why he places that altar of incense inside the Holy of Holies in this text. And maybe it's... Maybe it's um, I think it might be anything to do with the, the curtain being torn at the point of writing. No, I don't think so. No. I, I don't think so. Because it... Ha- yeah, I, perhaps not. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you on that. All right. I, well, what does it say in chapter 4, though? 3 and 4. What do you say? Chapter 9, 3 and 4. Oh, you mean, okay, chapter 9. But three behind the veil, behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle which is called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense. And the Ark of the Covenant covered of all sides with gold. Okay? It places the altar of incense inside the Holy of Holies. It's not there. I'm not saying he made a mistake, but I don't know why. What do you he mean he it. made a mistake? Whoever whoever wrote Hebrews. <clears throat> where is it where else is it saying that it's not it's, in there? It's in Exodus and it's or in Leviticus. It's understanding the role of the priest for one thing, because they go in on a daily basis to to put coals and put incense on there, and they don't go every day into the holy of holies. So I don't know why that's there. <coughs> I don't know why it's there, but we're, that's that's something we're going to pick up some other time, or or we'll work it with it offline. All right. I uh, just wanted to point that out to you. So, okay, uh, okay, let's just go over that. Inside the holy place, you have three items. You have the you have the lampstand uh, that the priests had to keep lit. That was part of their duties to make sure that the lampstand remained lit. The table of showbread. How many? How? And once a week, they had to put fresh bread on the table of showbread. Amanda, you pointed out that was 12, 12 uh, loaves for 12 tribes of Israel. Then you have the altar of incense. And, and, you, re, and you can go back, back for Exodus 30, 1 through 10, and Exodus 37, 25 to 29, answer your question. Okay, and then, uh, so you have these items within... That, and that's where the priest goes in, comes in on a daily basis to do their duty inside of there. And then once a year into the Holy of Holies. 
All right. Uh, let's see if there's something else. Um, okay, we're, uh, that's where... Go ahead and give me back my screen. All right. That's so, one thing I want to bring up, in, in the day in which we live, or in our time, in our age, and even... I'll, 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 let, me, let me give you another point of interest. And, and I don't know what to make of this. I, I, there's no really no doctrinal conclusions that I have or theological standpoints on this or arguments or anything else. But I think it was interesting that one, commentary brought, one commentator brought up, and I don't know who it was. Um, maybe it was from, uh, well, one of them. And this is interesting that the Lord mandated, He told Moses to build this tabernacle. There was instructions given to Moses to go down and build this tabernacle to, to, and to precise specifications, the ark, the furniture that goes into the tabernacle, the curtains, the rings. Exodus goes through Exodus goes through minute detail. How many rings, how many spikes, everything. And you look at that and it's, uh, it's, I don't, I don't want to call it boring, but let's just say, te- can we say tedious? Uh, minute detail. Reading and reading on how they put this together. Isn't it interesting? First of all, when we talk about the temples, Solomon's temple. And then when that was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, and then you have the Ezekiel's, uh, or not Zerubbabel's temple, which is the second temple, remodeled and, and then known as Herod's temple. God didn't mandate those temples. He didn't, he didn't say to David, now he, uh, he didn't say to David, build a temple. It's something David wanted to do. But it's not recorded that God said, okay, I'm tired of living in a tent. Build me a solid structure. And he, David wanted to do it on his own initiative, but God said no. And again, man pointed out that he's a, he's, because David was a man of war, he wouldn't let David do it. But Solomon was allowed to do it. And isn't it something that the, the, specifications isn't laid out for the temple. And in fact, when you get to Herod's temple, there were like ten lampstands. That wasn't in the first one. I've scratched my head a couple times. I said, what, what is this? Now, was it a sacred place? Was it a place where... And, and all yeah. by the way, it did have a curtain, but the ark wasn't in the temple. The ark was not in the temple Because when that temple was destroyed uh, in, in the time of um, Nebuchadnezzar, it was gone. So in Herod's temple, it was, it was a tent, but the Holy of Holies behind it, the ark wasn't in there. Okay. And it's just a point, and that's just a point. Uh, and, and remember that Jesus did call it that Jesus did say when he went out and he kicked out the money changers, he said, you're, you're um, making my 
Father's house a marketplace. The Lord Jesus did see that it was a sacred place. I'll just, just let that's something we can notice about Scripture. Questions? I, I have questions about it. And some, and some I may not like this. Some people may not like this. What I'm about to say. Especially about the ark, which was the most holiest item in that holy of holies. If they were found, if you watch the the movie um, Layers of Lost Ark, okay, fiction and all that, and at the very end, I remember that the ark was placed in a box and it was placed, it was boxed up and placed in a warehouse at, that. With, with miles and miles of cases and like it's lost in a warehouse somewhere. Let's just say if that ark was found. Let's just say it was brought out of the box. They found the ark. They didn't. They wouldn't have to worry about touching it or looking in or saying, "Wow." Or just there was because these regulations that govern this ark, you see, and what I'm about to say is that the ark is a relic. That means it's beyond its usefulness. When the time in which it was used, it was sacred. But the something better has come, and that's with the tent. That's with the articles within that tent. That's with the rituals. That's with all these. For those that are, are trying to stick with Judaism and bring Judaism back, that is the thing of the past. The Mos- those things connected with the Mosaic Covenant. And this is what the writer is getting at. You see, the, one of the problems that the people were having was they were holding on to something. They were holding on to their religion. And, and this is what we've, been, what we've been talking and stressing. They're holding on to their religion. They're holding on to their, their relics. They're holding on to the things of the past. Their rituals, their... their their way of life, their culture. And we do that today with denominations. We do that with, with rituals. We do that with, with our traditions. And we hold them up as worship. And we lose the point of our worship, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. They could not see Christ because of their religion. You see, these things pointed to something better. These things pointed to Christ. And when Christ came, these things lost their importance, you might say. Now, even the first covenant, verse 1, even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship and the earthly sanctuary, it had its importance for its time. For there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one, 
in which were the the lampstand to provide the lamp, a table, uh, and the sacred bread. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil, there was the tabernacle, which is called the holy of holies, having a golden altar of incense. Again, that's something that, well, if you come up with it, let me know. And the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, and which was the golden altar holding the manna, and Aaron's rod which budded, and the tables of the covenant. Another point is that, and I don't know where it's, I, I don't know where we find it at uh, Exodus thirty one through five uh, finds it that it's that it just contains the the tabernacle or the 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 stones the the law. So the question is that is the manna and the Aaron's rod budded inside the ark? Or it's laying outside the ark. Maybe laying on outside the ark. We can argue with that a little bit. Another thing in Scripture to look at. Okay, why? And, and, and something that will bring up a question. And above it were cherubim. And what, what are... Uh, Grady, what's a cherubim? It's an angel. So on top of the ark, you had two cherubim and they, they had outstretched... Outstretched... Uh, Wings. Go ahead and give me my. Okay, let's see. Back it up a little bit. Yeah, that looks good enough. Right there, you had. So you, remember, you had two parts. What's a cherubim? An angel. There you go. Okay, you have. And a cherubim is a four-winged angel compared to two-winged angels and and um, seraphim. Seraphim, which is how many wings, Michael? Six. Six wings, yes. So you got, actually this is two pieces of furniture. And listen, this is not the accuracy. See, we don't know what this thing looks like or the ark looks like. But this is artist, This is um, their rendition from the Word of God. Okay, so this is, you see different different pictures. So we don't know exactly know. Are the angels kneeling? Are they standing? Are they, what have you? What do they look like? We don't know. So you've got the box. The box is the ark itself. It's it's acacia wood lined with gold all around it. Above it is the uh, is the cherubim. What's cherubim? Angel. That's right. Actually, cherub is singular. Cherubim is plural. And in Hebrew, if you put the I M on the end, that's a plural. So cherub singular is one. Cherubim is more than one. Understand? All right. So you got this. So you got the so, so you got the ark. The ark of the covenant is this box down here. Then you've got the what we call the lid, and that's called. Great. You got idea what the the top's called? Anybody? The mercy seat. That's the mercy seat. That's right. It's the mercy seat. And these wings out the the wings of the angel. Kind of cast a shadow down underneath, underneath them. This is where the blood is going to be poured out. So, it I, probably a little bit more work on. I've never thought about why the wings are stretched out, but they do overshadow the mercy seat. 
and that's where the blood is going to be sprinkled and um, the cover the covering of the blood so all right so yeah we got some work to do with that so you got two actually two pieces of furniture you got the ark of the covenant and you got the mercy seat question comment all right. Jesus' blood ever go on that? Or yes, the blood would go... The, Jesus' the, blood. What's that? Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood. And that's a good question because, no, Jesus did not go into the Holy of Holies. He didn't go to the temple made with hands. That's right. Because, first of all, the ark's not there. I'm talking about his blood, though. Right. Of Jesus' blood? Uh-huh. Jesus' blood never went on this. Okay, Jesus' blood. Now you'll hear, and I've heard it. Somebody said, "Well, the ark that you have, you will hear, you'll hear this." Well, you've heard it that the ark was actually um, under the cross, mm-hmm. and when Jesus' blood dripped down, it dripped into a, a, a dripped into the um, the hill under the hill, and it dripped on the ark. And that, no, listen. When you read Hebrews, you know what a crazy idea that is. When I first heard it, I said, well, that sounds... Read, read the Bible, because Hebrews will clear up a lot of things. It wasn't this ark that the blood, and that was the importance of the blood. It was just a picture. The real ark is in heaven. And that's where Jesus' blood... That's where... That's where... Um, Okay, Jesus' blood was applied. The animal, pl- the animal blood was applied to the ark. Jesus' blood was applied to the, the, who is our Lamb of God, is applied to the altar in heaven. Does that answer your question, Amanda? Well, his blood was shed. That, excuse me. Does yeah. that answer your question? Well, yeah, I was, I was just asking because I'm, we can discuss why I asked afterwards. Okay, that, um, I was saying that the blood was was shed, uh, or he he didn't bleed to death. No, he didn't bleed to death. When we talk about we t- when we talk about blood, we're talking about his life, his like the life of the animal is in the blood, and the life of um, the Jesus was in his soul. Right, his okay. spirit. His spirit. Okay. Okay. All right. You're right. So. Referring to literal and the figurative blood. But that blood figuratively is applied in heaven, not not in a earthly tabernacle. Alright. And above it were cherubim, verse five, of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things we cannot talk now speak of in detail. And this is not the purpose of it. We could go on through the next few weeks talking about the intricacies of each item of the ark. And a lot of it is as theological and doctrinal viewpoints that may or may not be accurate, such as the gold such as the gold and the wood. Representing a hypostatic union, or, or you know, every every detail of that stands for this and stands for that, and make 
it may or may not be accurate according to scripture, but whatever and and maybe somebody can make a good argument for this, but that's not the that's not our purpose here, and that's not the purpose of the writer. He's just going to lay this out. And, and so we get a basic idea of what this is. We've got we've got the tabernacle, we've got the ark, we've got the the tent of the meeting, we've got the holy of holies. It gives you a picture of these things. And as I said, in, in their time that these things were consecrated, these this was a classroom. This was a classroom. And it taught spiritual lessons about what Jesus was going to do, what he did do. It was a model of that which was which is in heaven now. The true tabernacle. But when the when the authentic things come, when the true things come, these old things are passing away. They lose their importance. And again, the items are relics of the past. Do they have things to teach us? Absolutely. I'm not saying forget the word. Notice that Jesus said, "My word will, my uh, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away." So everything that the, these things are part of the word, but he doesn't say the the heavens and earth may pass away, but the ark will never pass away, or the lampstand will never pass away, or the tent will never pass. These things are worldly, earthly. They had a purpose. They taught us what it needed to teach us. Now we have the true tabernacle. It did its job. So, and all scriptures God breathed. So we still understand. I get great joy out of learning these things and what these things mean. In light of that which has come. Now when these things have been... Verse 6. So... Now, when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle performing divine worship. They worked hard. They worked day to day. They never sat down. They had to go in, they had to do their thing, and they had to get out. Jesus, on the other hand, what's Jesus? Coming back to Grady, what is Jesus doing? When Jesus went there, went to heaven, Anybody? Making intercession for us? He sat down. Oh, Jesus is sitting down at the right hand of the Father. So he's sitting down. These priests were busy continuing doing work from day to day. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year. Not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of his people committed in ignorance. I think that's kind of interesting. Unintentional sins. Unintentional sins. So you couldn't just go around and kill some people throughout here, and then, well, your life would also be taken, but the, the sacrifices were for non-premeditated sins. That is, sins of, a sins of ignorance. Let me present this to you. 
it also shows the weakness of the first covenant. Because the first covenant, they went in for sins, uh, the sins that were not premeditated. Some, uh, some preachers may turn around and say, you see, that, uh, you know, just as long, you know, if you go out and, and commit a crime, and commit a sin, and you knew it was a sin, and you did it anyway, then you can't go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. You can, you might want to hear that argument. The first covenant, remember, the first covenant is not as great as the the new covenant. The new covenant, the new covenant, or the provision for the forgiveness of sin, which has to do with the blood of Christ and His sacrifice upon the cross. And 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just forgive us our sins and cleanse us, katharizo, purify us from all sins. We confess our sins. And ladies and gentlemen, this is not a license to sin, but it's a license to serve. There are times when we make premeditated sins. Growing up, and and I guess we can go go into great depths in harmatology. Okay, I've got the word. Okay, study of sin. We'll go study of sin. But the promise is if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just forgive us our sins. That's with repentance. We're turning away from our sins, turning back to the Lord. And by doing that and confessing our sins, He purifies us from all unrighteousness. Not the Lamb. We don't bring another animal to the altar. Christ has already died for our sins. Verse 8. Now, all this, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Holy Spirit is our teacher. Remember that Jesus said, I must go. He's telling His disciples, I must go. I will send you a parakletos. Uh, one who will stand beside you and He will teach you all things. And recall to mind those things that you have forgotten. So the Holy Spirit is signifies this. That the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing. Which is a symbol for the present time. According to both gifts and sacrifice are offered which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. Things were still going on. We're looking at this date and time of being about 64 A.D., about three years prior to the tabernacle being destroyed. The outer court was still in place. The holy place, the, the, the place where priests were still going in and doing their duty, making sure that the lampstand, 
And like I said, there's a lot of lampstands in this one. I think ten of them actually. Um, that the altar, remember Zacharias went in there, he put, he put, he went in there to put incense on the altar. And so, they would do this continually. But said they didn't do anything for their conscience. And, uh, they were still, they're still focused upon the rituals. And this really applies for today too, even though that temple was torn down. There are those people that are still wrapped up in their religious, what we call it, religiosity, and their traditions, and their do's and their don'ts, and their worship of their churches. We've seen it. We've seen it in denominationalism. We've seen it in we see it in different religions. And we also see these people who are so wrapped up in their religion, but they have no spiritual life. And ladies and gentlemen, this can also be our doctrinal and theological standpoints as well. When we stand upon our doctrines and our mechanics and our theologies and our presuppositions and our, all of these things and lose the focus of who and what Christ is. See, when I wake up in the morning, and, and don't get me wrong, I love doctrine and I love theology. But we can get so wrapped up in it that we are academic eggheads and we lose sight of our personal relationship with Christ. When I wake up in the morning, I don't go, I don't start out with point of doctrine on love, point one, point two, point three. Or this doctrine, point one. No, I wake up thanking the Lord God taking a knee and saying, thank you, Lord, for another day. The God of doctrine. Because we can be so wrapped up in doctrine and theology and and in our religious practices and all this, and our consciences are still bothered with sin. Not until we recognize the person of Christ and whom we are walking with and acknowledging the sacrifice, His sacrifice, and what He has done. And again, coming back to doctrine and theology, I've learned this thing through doctrine. And through the theologies of people who've done the work of certainly my pastor growing up. But sometimes we get so lost in religion that we fail. This is why we take communion once a month. That we do not forget it. And again, I don't want to make 
I don't want to make myself misunderstood. I love doctrine and I love theology. And uh, doctrine is the categorical understanding of the truth. And theology, men worked on this, but after real, realized that our relationship with the One is the Lamb of God, who poured out His blood, His His figurative blood, His life for us, and to understand the depths of that doctrine and of Christ. It does everything. It purifies my conscience to know that I have been forgiven and what it took for me to be forgiven. So nine, which is a symbol? We're talking about that tabernacle which was still standing, which is symbol for the present time. It's still standing. According to both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshiper perfect in his conscience. Or we're saying complete. Acknowledging that Jesus Christ died for me. But there are still those that say, yeah, but you've got to do this, this, and this. If you're still doing this and this and this. See, my conscience is clean. And, 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 and hold on. let me back up. It's not in the practice of religiosity, as my wife would say. It's not in the practice of religiosity that, that purifies my conscience. It's the acknowledgement that Jesus Christ and His work upon the cross. And this, this purifies that conscience. Clearing the way that I may approach the throne of grace with boldness. So since they relate only to food and drink and various washing, mm. regulation for the body imposed until the time of reformation. Let me read that again. Let me go back and read from... The Holy Spirit is signifying this. Verse 8. That the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing. It is still a veil to the people that are still doing still caught up in religion and they can't see past their religious practices that the reality of those things that are in heaven that Christ is doing in heaven. Which is a symbol for the present time. According to both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience. Your tithing doesn't do anything to clear your conscience. Okay? Since they relate only to food and drink and various washing, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. See, these religious practices are still in place, A.D. 64. And again, they are a teaching aid. They are not the substance, but they are the teaching thing. They're uh, until the Reformation, until these things are done away with and the full um, covenant is in place. Verse 11. Got a couple minutes. But when Christ appeared as our high priest of the good things to come, okay, remember okay, what, what the Spirit is signifying, talking about the 
present thing, the religious things, and people still practice their religion. When he has come, he is the substance. When he has appeared, a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through a greater and more perfect tabernacle. What is that? That's heaven. He didn't go through a... Uh, thank you, Michael. He didn't go into a tabernacle that was made with hands. He and and human construction and and the material things that were created. Yes, by design of God, exactly in specification to model those things in heaven. But when Christ came, He entered into the authentic heavenly tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say not of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves. The only blood that went into the Holy of Holies was the blood of, of um, goats, uh, animal blood. But through His own blood, He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And redemption means to be bought. To purchase. And with that, we'll, we'll finish out tonight with going to 1 Peter. And 1 Peter... Um, first, let's start with 17. What, what chapter? Uh, I'm sorry, First Peter 1, 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the blood, precious blood as of a lamb unblemished, and spotless the blood of Christ for he was foreknown before the foundations of the world but has appeared in these these times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God so I just want to walk back one thing as we close out this evening, because you know I, because um, I may misspoke on the doctrine and and theology. I don't want you to be misled on that, or or maybe with this. So I'll walk back just just a bit. Doctrine and theology is very important. Doctrine, again, is the categorical understanding of truth. They're the building blocks by which we think. And I think I'm more, um, more so what I was looking at is academic arrogance. That's what I'm thinking about. When we, when we just stand upon the doctrine, we have to look past the doctrine and the theology to the substance of who and what Jesus Christ is. And um, I think that's what I'm trying to get across, and I didn't want to be misunderstood with that. Okay? Any any questions on that? All right.
make it clear I didn't all right so with that you know you could go ahead please you could say like with artificial intelligence computers um, that you could <coughs> and I'm sure there's software but to where it could have a perfect understanding of scripture and have everything in the boxes 100% accurate this, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here. But it does not make the artificial intelligence any more uh, a believer than, you know, that box Kleenex. It doesn't do it any good. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, that's doctrine in a... I, I, I guess I'm just... Uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It, it is a tool that we can... It, it helps us. It helps us put our thoughts together. It helps us to meditate on things. It helps us to put, bring understanding to other areas, and and it's vital. It is vital, but we must look past. We must look past it, or we must we must use it what it's there for. To bring us into that closer relationship to the Lamb of God that takes away. The sin of the world. That's when it starts impacting our lives. When we connect it with the person of Christ. Alright. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity coming together and fellowshipping in your word this evening. We thank you for this wonderful passage. We pray that we continue to work these things out. Help us to understand why the, why is the altar of incense outside of the curtain. Or, Father, is the, the manna and the the Aaron's rod and budded also in the ark, or is it outside the ark? These things we continue to work out. And, are, uh, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will continue to lighten us, open up our hearts to the truth, and help us to learn these details if, if it's so important to, to do that. And I believe it is. Every jot and tittle of the word is therefore for a reason. Continue to edify our souls. Help us to learn the doctrines. To we thank you for those that have and, and have made a strong study of your word. And but to continue, but not so much that we lean upon their work, but also to build upon it. They laid the foundation. They stirred up the ground by which we can also work upon and plow upon and plan upon. Strengthen our lives in the Word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Alright. Um, we've got some time to go over these things. Hopefully I've covered much. Uh, everything. We'll see. If not, we'll hit it. Okay, Beck, I'm going to give you the first one here. Who does the Lord establish the new covenant with? Select all the answers, all the right answers. Is Israel and Judah. Israel and Judah, exactly. Not the church. And not all believers. But the church, or Israel and Judah. And that's going back to... Okay, I'm, I'll... I'll come up with a second. Michael. In Hebrews 8, 8 through 12, the writer quotes what Old Testament passage when talking about the 
uh, New Covenant. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Okay, you remember what passage or what chapter? Thirty-one. Very good. Jeremiah thirty-one. Okay, I'll come back since you got that one right. I'll get on with the third one for you, Grady. Very good. Explain the concept of. Oh, it's a deep one. It's, I'm open this to the whole four here. Explain the concept of already but not yet with reference to the kingdom of heaven. Any kind of a deep question? I don't understand the question. Okay, um, what is the concept of already but not yet with reference to the kingdom of heaven? Anybody? Is okay. it... Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Answer your question with a question. That he is ruling... Uh, but not on his throne. Uh, no. Oh. Okay. Let me explain. Like, okay, let me bring around. The foreshadow. Uh, it is the the, uh, the when it said in scripture that it is uh, that it will be ruled by. In other words, these things will be of heaven. Made by not by hand. In other words, the example of the already made a reference to the kingdom of heaven. Let me, let me bring it out like this. Okay. Um, Christ has done the work. He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. When it comes to the kingdom of heaven, we can be assured with absolute confidence that He is returning. Our lives should be in a be living in 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 the truth, and this truth is positional truth. It is that truth that we like the 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 beatitudes that happy are those who are poor in spirit. Those who are poor in spirit now, there those who are poor in spirit can be happy now. Because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Let's go to that passage for a minute to add uh, uh, to to hit that, and that'll be Matthew chapter five. And that was addressed to the, the Jews. Uh, yeah, these are to those those living in that time to his and disciples. To his disciples. Still, you know. And this is this is to. And in reference to the kingdom. And this is also to us as a church, by principle. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Malcarius, happy. We could be happy now, regardless of our circumstances. Because ours, ours is the king of heaven. It will be a part of the inheritance package of the bride of Christ. Okay? Blessed are those who mourn. You can mourn now, but we can be happy at the same time, for we shall be comforted. Our comfort is on the way. Happy are the gentle, for we shall uh, uh, gentle even for for regardless of what we can do that now with the light that um, will inherit the earth. Or the um, okay, so there is the inheritance. 
passage, and it's so true that we can live by that. In the light, we can live in the light of eternity. Christ has guaranteed, with His guarantees. I've stumbled a little bit on it. I'm sorry. Uh, apologies for that. But because of truth, we can live in the light of eternity. We can live in the light of a kingdom that has not yet been established, but it will be. And we can live and we can be happy in the time in which we live, possessing that which in our hearts that we do not that we're not yet there. It's like that lottery ticket I mentioned. I have that lottery ticket in hand. I'm a millionaire. But even though I haven't seen a dime, even though the check hasn't been written yet, I have it in my hand. The kingdom is in our hand. It's in our grasp. Okay? Anything? Question on that? Okay? Alright, number four. What application can we draw, can draw for, what application can we draw in the church age when we compare the Hebrew believers returning back to Judaism? Remember that, and, and their question is, what's happening in the book of Hebrews is that they were, that they were, they were receiving the pressure upon them. Many of them were going back to the old system of religion. How can that, how, how can that apply to us today? Living in a church age, living in a time in which we're living. Going back to our old ways. Religion. Go ahead and expand a little bit. Go, Matt just said going back to the old ways. What well, old ways? The ways that we... I'm agreeing. We were in before we were saved. Yeah. Precisely, that's what I'm thinking. Back to our old habits. You were going to say, Becca? Well, the Hebrew believers returning back to the law, um, they wanted to go, they they believed before Christ mm-hmm. came and he died on the cross. Right. Once he died on the cross, they had to make a choice. They either stayed with the law or they had to believe in this Jesus it came and tore the curtain and all that law, it's gone. Um, and that, that, But they could believe that he, he was here. He came. So um, with us today, a lot of our, um, I would say our religion, uh, our, our man-made religion, our legalism mm-hmm. uh, is the same. Um, they are actually people that you have to question them. What Jesus <laughs> do you believe in, uh, or what you know? What do you actually believe? Because they are so into their religion that you have to question them. Yeah. And, they, and they may believe. Uh, I guess it's still a kind of not perfectly an example, but um, if they are say they are a believer, just like the the Jews believe, but yet they don't really believe in the Jesus, uh, the true Jesus. Let's see that. Uh, 
I I I think that I think that would preach. You're caught up in their religion. I think that would be preached because Christianity, true Christianity, will break you from religion. Uh, it will break you from the religion um, and morality. Um, uh, uh, something else you thought. Of. One of the things we can go back, and we may not have to go back to our old ways of drinking and smoking and all that. We can go back to our moral. Because spirit, uh, spirit, uh, though we are moral as Christians, morality is not the Christian way of life. I mean, uh, our relationship. An unbeliever can be moral. But basically we go back to our moral concepts as a way of Life. Some people um, worship the Ten Commandments and as a spiritual code. It's not a spiritual code. The Ten Commandments are a moral code. It's not a spiritual code. It's not even a code, really. And it's an indictment. It's law. But if you look at it as a code, or um, it's, a more, it's more moral than what it is and spiritual. Yeah, there's a lot of things that that Christians hold up as a spiritual thing, and it's not. Yeah. Um, they're, they're spiritual um, taboos. That are, if, if, you, if you smoke and drink, you're not really Christians. Yeah. So if you that, even, even in their idolism, um, they don't realize they're doing it, mm-hmm. but they do. All right, we'll move on. We got three. Okay, uh, or we got four of them. Let's go. Okay, um, Amanda, I'll give, give you this one. What must a believer do in order to be ready to make a defense for the hope? What that is within them. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. Very good. Thank, sanctify the Lord God. You sanctify the Lord God in your heart. That is, your spiritual priorities are in place. You're taking in Bible doctrine. You're learning the Word of God. You, you, you've got a, you're, from there, your priorities are being established. Your prayer life. You're walking in the Lord. Your, your sanctification, your, your understanding that your walk is so important when you're un, sanctifying the Lord God. And you, got, you cannot do that in carnality. But from the Word of God, you recognize that repentance of sin is absolutely necessary. When you do um, sin, the repentance and confession of your sins, you're building over a period of time. You're, um, as what the Lord says, at, or Paul says in First Thessalonians, that the will of God for our lives is our sanctification. And when we sanctify the Lord God in our hearts, it, this is occupation with the Lord. Listen, every day we need to be nurturing that, nurturing our relationship with the Lord, building that relationship over a period of time. You're going to have bad days, but stick to the priorities. Continue to press forward. Until you come to the occupation, until you come to the place where, where you can't not pray, where you can't not make it to Bible stu- 
I'm using double negatives there, but but you're unable to set aside your priorities for what I'm saying. When you get up in the morning, when you've made it a habit of prayer, whether it's morning, whether it's noon, whatever the priorities that you set and, and how you do it and and you've done it and and let me be careful, it's not that you've you become enslaved to a habit. But your relationship has drawn so near to the Lord that that you feel the complete dependence of keeping that connection. And then when you you take that spiritual life and that strength into a crisis, and people see you and they see your strength and they see your confidence, they're going to ask you. Why is it that you've got it so all together when everybody else is falling apart? Because over time you've sanctified the Lord God in your heart. Alright. Sunday we also define, enter, I'm going to give this one to you there, Michael. Define intercession. Intercession is coming alongside somebody that. Can't define it with the word intercede uh, to come along beside to make a defense for someone. Okay, you can um, coming to stand beside another in support. Um, anything else? Okay, on, on the distract on the you got A and you you hit A right off. Coming to stand beside another in support, intercede interceding for someone. Represent another in prayer. Would that be one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Coming to the aid of the weak. Yes. You're interceding for someone. You're, they're actually someone's weak and you're interceding for them. They're barring your strength in, in such a way. And then the last one is going to a brother about his sin. Is that interceding? No, it's not. Okay. Um, anybody, what is the difference between being a mediator and a priest? We were supposed to go over a mediator tonight, but we didn't. Um, we're going to skip that question. Um, and the priest? Eight. Okay. Okay. Never mind. Don't want to try that? All right, well, I was going to say the priest is representing man One. to God, mm-hmm. where the mediator is. Yeah, a priest is equal to man. Um, that's not what you're looking for, I guess. Uh, I think you're hitting it pretty pretty well. Um, a priest represents man to God. A priest has functions that he's doing. Uh, he, a priest, yeah, represents man to God. While a mediator will stand between, a mediator stand between two parties in dispute. Uh, God, who is a, the perfect God, sinless God, and sinful man, and He stands to reconcile. He stands between to reconcile the differences between the two. He goes to God. On, uh, he's equal with God, or well, actually, we can't say always say that to you too, because Moses was a mediator of the old covenant. So that's something else we need would need to talk about. But Jesus Himself is equal with God. He is the perfect mediator. He's equal with God. 
and he's equal with with man. So as man, he represents he represents um, man to God, and as God, he represents God to man. And his mediation didn't take place on the cross. I said that in the past. That's wrong. You recognize I do say wrong things up here. Good brains. <laughs> do you recognize? And, and I have to humbly walk that back. The mediation didn't take place on the cross. The mediation takes place in heaven when the blood is is like when the blood figuratively is applied in the the true holy of holies, and that's where he stays continually, making mediation between uh, being a mediator between God and man. Got work to do on that still. So so Moses was interceding when he was pleading with the Lord. Yes, that kind was, of interceding for the people. Well, that was that. Yes, that was interceding. Okay. Was that um, the mediator? He was he was interceding for intercession, but as but he's also the mediator of the old covenant. Um, when and and presenting of sins and the sin offering, uh, he would he would go to the mountain. He would go to the mountain. He Mo, Moses was God's representative. And laying all this out, and that old covenant, he was a mediator between God and man. Okay. However, no one was saved through the old law, you know. So his mediatorship only went so far, where the son or Jesus's mediatorship, I guess you can say that mediatorship, goes all the way to our so great salvation. Got some work to do on that. We can we can discuss that on a deeper level, and as we continue on. So, what will happen to the Mosaic Covenant after the kingdom is established? What happened to it? It'll be done away with. Done away with. Done away with the Mosaic Law. It it is not combined. It is not. It is not. It's not combined. The, and this is what Jesus talked about, the old wine and the new wineskin. They don't come together. Okay? They, they're, they're two separate things. He, they, they will not combine. They don't mix. It's like the old, the new wine and the old wineskins. Okay? Got a question on that. Okay, last question. Okay, select all the items that were in the Holy of Holies. You can say yes or no. The lampstand. No. Aaron's rod and budded. Yes. 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 The Ark of the Covenant. Yes. The mercy seat. Yes. Table of showbread. No. The Star of David. No. The Pot of Anna. Yes. Yes. The cherubim with outstretched wings. Yes. Shekinah glory. Yes. Yes, yes, because that's where that's where the Shekinah glory, that's where where the Shekinah glory, their presence above the mercy seat. Yeah. Okay. But that was in the tent. That was in Moses' tabernacle. Yes, exactly. Okay, the altar of incense. Hebrews says yes. I know that was confusing. Yeah, I know. 
I know it. Can Hebrews says yes. Can, can I say something since it is the last question? We, well, we don't. Uh, we're we're rolling out of okay. time. Say, I'll do it afterwards. If you will say it. Um, because earlier uh, we know, uh, and once again, um, he would the priest would come in daily to clean up the altar, to put in more incense on it. That's that always remained burning. There's always, and priests didn't go into holy of holies to do that. Okay, I won't say it, it was a reason why the writer of Hebrews, under the filling of spirit, put that in there like that. But uh, I don't know. Okay, and then um, last one is the basin for washing hands and feet. No. No. All right. That concludes our evening. Uh, continue to in your prayer life to pray for. Uh, continue to pray for David and Sierra. I didn't get an update today. I meant to right before I got here. Uh, last I heard, she's still struggling. The doctor's still working with her. Be with David and the kids on that. Continue to walk in the spirit um, and keep pressing forward to the high ground. So. Until next time, stay motivated, Lord. Keep your armor on. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. No.